17 minutes after 8 o'clock tonight, 7.30 p.m. at the Merrick Jewish Center. Uh, Jake Novak, the CNBC supervising uh, television producer, leads a community-wide talk on media coverage of Israel to provide the audience with a guide to accurate and fair coverage while also explaining why the news media is the way it is. Jake Novak is with us live via telephone, supervising producer of Street Signs on CNBC and the featured speaker and moderator tonight at the Merrick Jewish Center. Jake Novak, welcome back to JM in the AM. Boker Tov, Nachum. Thank you for having me. Boker Tov to you. You know, there's some who would say that the media has, in fact, been at war with Israel this summer, and there are others who would say the media has been pretty kind to Israel this summer. Is there a correct answer to this query? Um, there is, I think, if you mark it down by old media and what I would call newer media. Um, what is very interesting is that for a long time, the problem with I, and this is Western news media, because we're not talking about right. the news media in the Arab lands and, and right. countries where it's completely government-controlled and, and, and an attack weapon against Israel. Yeah, my, my uh, supposition was the U.S., right? Yes. Um, you know, there's been, when, when we've had issues with Israel coverage in, in the United States, it's been mostly a um, result of ignorance, sometimes a result of, of antagonism. There, there have been American journalists and, and commentators who have been hostile to Israel, and, and that has been true. But for the most part, it's been generally better. I think that this time it's it's continuing to go along those lines, although a little bit worse in some areas. I think what has been, and one of the big things I'm going to talk about this evening, is the rise of new of new media and social media and participatory media, where the where people like you and me, you know, and that's not so much me. I guess I'm I'm one of the media executives myself, but <laughs> normal people not in the formal media can start getting involved. That's, I think, the biggest reason why we've seen a little bit of a shift. There's at least some voice, and in some cases a louder voice, in other cases not so loud, of a different perspective, a perspective of people who we've never heard before in the media, and thank goodness for that. I mean, cell phone cameras and social media have allowed, I think, a little bit more of the truth to come out from the non-establishment types, and that, I think, will generally almost always help Israel. And, and on top of that, and you would know this because you're working for you know a really well-known cable network, uh, because there's so many stations now, there's so many outlets. The the the, pa- the the pool of panelists has gotten so much larger. One has to suspect that as that pool gets larger, uh, you know, just percentage-wise, the numbers are going to go up, right? That's right, Nachum. I mean, you know, a lot of us in America of a certain age and older considered the golden age to be a t- of television news when Walter Cronkite came on the, the television news and how great that people thought that was. And I don't think he was a bad person. But understand, this was one man who was not only the anchorman, but he was also the chief writer and executive producer of the CBS Evening News, which meant that one human being in a corner office on 57th Street in Manhattan decided basically what the majority of Americans would know to be the news that evening. And I think that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that that was necessarily a good thing. It was nice that he was classy. Thank God he was generally a fair individual. But that's not the way it should be. Um, you know, I'm generally an advocate for liberty at all times, and liberty can get messy sometimes, but when the truth is allowed to come out, it will eventually drown out the false, yeah. and well, that's important. Do we know that the new system is good because the old guard hates it? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. We hate it, but we also, you know, I, that's funny because some people hate it, but some people don't, and I think I'm one of the few people, I think, at my who really embraces it. I really enjoy getting sometimes a lead from what has happening on social media. You know, all you need to do is take the few extra steps to see if it's a legitimate story. And once you know that, you can say to yourself, you know what, I, I didn't know that that story existed until I saw it on right. a social media site or a website. Yeah, and but I, yeah, I'm, th- that's a good thing. I'm thinking more like sometimes you hear Ted Koppel in interviews, 
Yeah. And he, and he's frustrated by the fact that everybody's a journalist nowadays, you know, that yeah. type of thing. I know that, you know, that, that, that actually infuriates me. Uh, and that's something that actually predates the social media age. You could go to a place like Columbia Journalism School, which is mostly, the faculty is mostly people who have recently retired and which you really should be laid off from the news <laughs> business. And so they end up teaching these young journalists and they're all kind of, their mouths are full of bile. They start complaining about the profit motive, as if the only reason why they were laid off was because of a, product, a profit motive, and there wasn't one when they got into the business. I mean, all kinds of silly stuff like that. And that, this reminds me of what I'm hearing now when I hear older journalists complain about the social media. And, yeah, I mean, they were, it's getting in, into their comfort area. And, and you know what? Like I said, absolutely, sometimes falsehoods and terrible things come out on this type of stuff, and, and I wish there were more, more responsibility. But you can say that about everything. I can say that about the drivers on the Cross Bronx. Yeah. Should we not be allowed to drive our own cars? Yeah. I, you know, think of it that way. Don't, don't worry. With the last mayor, we were almost at that point. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jake Novak is with us, supervising producer at CNBC. He speaks tonight at the Merrick Jewish Center starts at 7.30 p.m. The topic is Israel's second front, the media and the war against the Jewish state. By the way, you know, some might argue that some of the people at your network are not always very friendly to Israel. Yeah, I mean, I can't comment too much about the other networks at MSNBC and NBC in general, but uh, I can say that what's really good about CNBC, and I talked to you about this before, is that their coverage of Israel is exclusively on the financial issues of Israel, mm. which have been... You know, I don't care how biased against Israel you might be, there's just no way to cover that story in the last decade without a tremendous positive spin, because it has been an incredible positive spin. And, it's, and you know, to be honest, it's a personal thing. It's one of the biggest reasons why I'm in financial news, because I think it's a little bit, you know, there's plenty of spin in financial news. I'm not saying there isn't, but it's a little bit harder to spin the financial news. You know, when something fails in business, it fails. You know, when a politician failed, he can claim he didn't fail all his life. He can be Jimmy Carter and say you had a successful presidency, and people will listen to that. But if you're, you know, if you're um, RCA or Woolworth and you say you had a successful company and didn't go out of business, you know, the facts just don't bear you out. The numbers don't lie. Huh? Yeah, sports and business news have a way of being much more honest than the general news. They ha then they also attract... Yeah, until, until the social stuff creeps into it, right. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, when you right. start seeing politics on your sports page, you know, turn the page. Right. <laughs> um, although these days you really can't avoid yeah. it, but whatever. So let me ask you, you know, I was in Israel um, mid-August. We did a week of shows from there, and so many people pointed out to me how amazing the Israeli economy is doing, how yeah. strong the shekel is. Yeah. Uh, even the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange is starting to get an international reputation. Yeah. Um, the unemployment, what, what is the unemployment rate now? Is it around 6% in Israel? Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, it's lower than that. And, you know, it's one of those things where in the United States, when we have 5% unemployment, we consider that full employment because, you know, economists don't like to say this publicly for political reasons, but there's basically an agreement that about 5% of the population is unemployed. So when you see 6 in a developed country like Israel, is that a great number or not? Yeah, and when you consider also, I mean, and this will change with the Haredi community, but when you consider the large population uh, that the Haredi community is, I, 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 pretty much everyone in Israel who wants a job has a job, and that's not an exaggeration. So that's a huge deal. Uh, and, you know, the, the economy is moving on so many different fronts, so many different things. It's no longer only tech-sensitive. There are other aspects of the economy. Of course, pharmaceuticals are, are a big part of it. There are and, – and the desalination project, which is not really high-tech because actually the technology involved is old. It's just that now Israel has natural gas to power those plants uh, at, a, at a good cost. It, there are many, many reasons to be optimistic, and that's a big part of what I'm going to talk about tonight. You know, one of the problems that we have as advocates for Israel and the United States is that we're always playing defense. We're playing defense all the time. Someone else, like, someone accuses Israel of X, and we have to say why. And I think a big part of playing defense is not just saying great things about Israel all the time and trying to push it into the other person's court, but just kind of having a running dialogue about what's going on in Israel. You know, I bet that most American Jews who 
who say they support Israel probably don't know the name of the second most powerful politician in Israel right now and the name of his party and what he's trying to do there, good or bad. And that's, you know, we should be on, on top of that. We should be discussing that publicly and knowing what's going on there. And just so that when wars happen and when attacks happen, that isn't the whole story of Israel. All right. There's a lot of positive news. Yes. Uh, tonight, uh, Jake Novak, CNBC supervising producer, speaks on the topic of Israel's second front. The media and the war against the Jewish state happens at the Merrick Jewish Center at 7.30 p.m. this evening. It sounds like you're not going to, um, you know, attack any members of the media directly. Is that the... Uh Oh no, I will. I will. Um, you will. You'll. You'll actually name some names tonight. Yeah, a big part of the. Fir- I mean, the first part of the talk is explaining why this is a second front. You know, a lot of people I think think, well, it's not nice that Israel doesn't have such good PR, but in the end, it's impo- You know, it's not as important. It's much more important than it ever was. Um, what Hamas and the other enemies of Israel cannot achieve on the battlefield, they are they are achieving uh, to a much greater extent. I don't think they're completely winning, but they're they're winning battles in the news media and in the on the airwaves that they cannot win on the battlefield. Yeah, you and, know, but what bothers me is is half the people in Jewish leadership have said this summer, you know what, Israel's doing really well in the media war, yeah. and, and then people like yourself like yourself comes on and says, you know what, if there's one thing we've suffered from this summer, it's the media war. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the United States. I think that that's the United States perspective talking, and I think I would agree with them generally about the United States. I feel that especially in the beginning. I felt like the coverage in the United States was more positive than usual. But, Nachum, I have to tell you that in Europe especially, there is absolutely no counter voice to the anti-Israel voices out there. I mean, there are generally good people in places like Belgium and France who, you know, these are not the people who are rioting and, and setting fire to synagogues. Those people are thugs who have nothing to do with anti You know, they, they have nothing to do with the war. They're just using that as an excuse and not a reason. There's a subtle difference. Yeah. But there are good people in places like that who really... Uh, who really have a terrible impression of Israel because in Europe, there you know, Europe has a much more government-controlled and centralized-controlled news media than we do, and they don't have as, a, as much of an, an active social media as we do, and they certainly don't have as much an active of an internet news media, and that is an old message that is beginning to sound more and more like World War II-era Germany news media. I mean, it's that bad, and that's that's concerning. That's a very big concern, and even though it's not gaining a good enough foothold here in the United States, they do have beachheads. They have Al Jazeera America. They have some programs and, and certain hosts on certain networks who are sympathetic to them. And thank goodness they have no ratings right now. But the fact that they're here alone is disturbing. And there are things that, you know, that's a big part of the talk also. I think there's a lot that we can do, as, again, as normal non, non-executive types who can, who can sort of help advance the, the, the correct cause here. Yeah, you're making a very good point. Maybe the enthusiasm that I sometimes hear are from people who are only concentrating on what's going on here in the U.S. and and maybe from people who are simply shocked that instead of you know instead of the hundred percent blatant attacks against Israel, there's actually you know a, a few people out there who are telling the truth. You know, yeah. So they're just celebrating that fact. It could be. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things is that people just need to understand that this is a war. Uh, on, this is another front, and uh, it's interesting that the talk will be tonight, August 2014, exactly 100 years after the beginning of World War One, which was the first propaganda war, right. which was very, very well coordinated. And that the purpose of that war was simply to either draw the United States in or keep them out, depending on whose side you're talking about. They didn't think of it as another front that actually hurt the enemy physically. And now that's exactly what's going on. I mean, the, the news media um, manipulation by Hamas, especially in Europe, is meant to start to help people have an excuse to riot, help people have an excuse to commit acts of violence. 
And that is a big part of, of their goal, and that needs to be counterbalanced because every voice, uh, every one of those you know, angry, untrue voices that's, that's quieted down could mean more safety for Jews in another part of the world. Is CNBC in its own building, or do you uh, see some of the people who work for the other networks? We're on our own camp. We're in New Jersey, and we're the emergency headquarters if ever anything ever happens in Manhattan, if the power goes down or something oh. like that. So we're, we have a beachhead in Englewood Cliff. Because I was going to ask you if you ever run into the uh, reporter who... Uh, who spent a lot of time in Gaza hospitals for NBC, but yeah, uh, not me. there are some people in our audience who have some tinas on him, if you know what I mean. I'm sure. <laughs> You're willing to admit it, huh? <laughs> All right, tonight you can see Jake Novak and hear what he has to say on the topic of Israel's second front, the media and the war against the Jewish state. Happens at the Merrick Jewish Center, 7.30 this evening. Uh, any uh, information line or website you want to give out for this? Um, just that it's um, it, the admission is free. We are asking for a donation for friends of the IDF. If you're right. if you're willing to do that, that would be great. Um, and uh, the Merrick, Merrick Jewish Center, you can find it online. Just have to spell it on Google a little bit. They do the British spelling, so center with the R E instead of E R. You can Google it, and it'll have the information on the home. All right, gotcha. And I see here it says that, yes, contributions are welcome to Friends of the IDF, to the Michael Levin Loan Soldier Fund, and the UJA Federation New York Israel Emergency Fund. Jake, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck tonight. Thank you for having me. Jake Novak, supervising producer at CNBC, speaks tonight on the topic of the uh, of Israel's second front, the media and the war against the Jewish state. Merrick Jewish Center, Tuesday tonight, 7.30 p.m., Check it out as you hear. He's uh, well-educated when it comes to uh, what's going on with the media and Israel. Plenty more coming up. It's Rosh Chodesh morning, 8.30 in the morning at JM in the AM.